First, when I first posted that image, uh, the image completely got away on me because I didn't expect the response it got. That it's now been shared over three million times on Facebook alone. And when I first went out, I think two hours later, I looked back and it's been shared over a hundred thousand times already. And all these comments, people was like, "Hey, what's going on here?" Then I was reading all the comments. I had to stop because it was getting—it was such an emotional roller coaster. You know, people uh, sharing the stories of their dogs, you know, happy ones and bad ones too. And it's just, so I was like, okay, I have to stop reading this. <laughs> it, was, yeah. it was great, but it was still uh, very emotional. So, but I'm very happy that it's been able to connect with so many people. Hello, and welcome back to the Animal Friendly Podcast. Today, I'm talking to Travis Patnod a photographer and advocate for the Galgos, the dogs used for hunting in Spain. The first photograph I ever saw of his is called The Hunter and the Hunted. This is a photograph of a dog, a Galgo, wearing a decorative masquerade mask of a hare. The photograph looks like a painting from the 17th century, something done by Caravaggio. There's incredible clarity and detail. The mask looks like porcelain with gold trimming and you can see every hair on the dog's fur and especially the expression in her eyes. It's a haunting and memorable image. As soon as I saw it, I knew I had to talk to the photographer, and I was so thrilled when Travis agreed to feature in an episode. We talked about dogs, photography, and mental health issues. He explained the situation regarding the Galgos in Spain, and we delved into the background of some of his iconic and award-winning photographs. Okay, you can stop giving me the stink eye already. I'll let Travis talk. I thought, I actually thought that you were a photographer first and then you got interested in the dogs, but it's actually the other way around. Yep. Yeah, it's, uh, it was a little odd because me and my wife have been doing Greyhound Rescue for a long time uh, at the beginning. So we worked at the kennels, adoption reps and foster homes and all of that. Then we learned about the Galgos and after we got our first Galgo, we decided to start our own group and uh, I wanted to find a way to actually raise awareness for them, a different way besides, you know, the typical meet and greets, things like that. And I came up with this harebrained scheme that I had to try to fake being a photographer so I could get other pet photographers to take photos of the Galgos. I thought if I could get half of the photographers, the half the interest that there is for like the pit bulls, in the bully breeds, that that would help raise awareness about it. But as I learned, as I had to learn photography to kind of act like I'm a photographer, the more I loved it and fell in love with it and just kept going and learning more. And before I knew it, I, you know, actually became halfway decent with it. So I just took it and ran with it as much as I can. And how did you first learn about the Galgos, I know you into Greyhounds. So was it yep. through that or did you guys go to Spain or? Uh, we actually, it was a magazine we read about the Galgos. It was, I think it was Celebrating Greyhounds was the magazine that had an article about the Galgos and a story about them. And after we read it, me and Moore, we already had five Greyhounds at the time. <laughs> and we're kind of, okay, when we get a little space, we'll look at adopting our first 
Galgo. And when that time came, we put in our application and we were told it was about a year wait. So it was like, fine, we'll, we'll, we'll wait. We'll get everything going. And there's a lot of things happening at the time. Uh, if you know my story, right at that time, I was also dealing with a very dark depression and came very close to hanging myself in the garage. That pretty much the following weekend. And what ended up happening is uh, a loud noise distracted me enough to pull me out of that moment and make me realize, okay, what was happening? And I was able to stop myself. And the following day, we went to, I didn't tell anyone about the whole situation or anything, and I was just kind of trying to act normal on it. And the following day, we went to a uh, Greyhounds uh, reunion. And talking with one of the volunteers there was saying, yeah, we're waiting to get a Galgo. And she said, well, two Galgos just arrived in Chicago that are available for adoption. So immediately pulled my phone out, found them, put the application in. And the next weekend, we had our first Galgo. So that was was Lena. Yep. And it was amazing how everything just literally fell into place. And the way I see it, universe gives you the things you need when you need it. And after hearing her story that she was, from what we were told by the rescue uh, here in Chicago, who brought her over, is that her hunter in Spain was going to hang her. But a woman uh, saw what was happening and stopped them. And for me, that it was kind of ironic, the fact that the day, the week before, I was going to hang myself. And here was this little dog who was going to be hung because she was no longer useful. So that immediately built a bond with me. And I spent eight months working with her, trying to get her more comfortable with people. And she became my therapy dog. My wife and I became her her therapy humans. And, you know, we tried to teach her to become more confident, but she did the same thing to us. So she made us come out of our shell and be more vocal and talk to people that we normally wouldn't. And with that, it's, you know, it became starting a rescue for these dogs that and try to uh, transport these dogs from Spain, even though we didn't know anyone in Spain. I've never been to Spain and still can't speak Spanish, but oh, we're determined to do it. So, and that was the fun thing. And I think uh, we adopted her in, October and July of the next year, we brought had a first transport. So mm-hmm. it was amazing to kind of see, you know, we thought we were helping her, but she was in turn helping us just as much. And that was the amazing thing. And those things still kind of reveal themselves to me quite a bit. The um, the synchronicity of your stories is just amazing. Um, right. um, I think a lot of people have been saved by their dogs, haven't they? Or oh, yes. Cats? Yes. <laughs> yeah. They're animals. And that's, and that's one of the fun things, too, that I've, the more I've talked about it, the more people have opened up to me about it. And that's what's great to her is just, you know, my friend Yere, who did the uh, documentary Yo Galgo, he was in the exact same boat. So he was dealing with depression. He adopted the Galgo. And it, saved him and it also inspired him to do his documentary on the goggles. So it's a lot of those fun things that it's amazing what these animals provide us that, you know, it's, you don't think about it until they actually save you and you're kind of like, you're in awe of them. Yeah. 
So would you like to talk a little bit about what the Galgos, what the issue is and what's happening and how they suffer so much and what the problem is? Yeah, it's from what we've learned about it is, say, back in the 16th century, Galgos were part of royalty, basically. So the kings, queens, aristocrats would use them for hunting. And pretty much no one, none of the peasants could actually own the dogs. They would have a couple of peasants kind of take care of the dogs for the kings. And what would happen is that uh, if a dog came in injured or had a litter, the peasant may steal one of the dogs so they can help feed their family. But as that continued to happen and more of the peasants started having these dogs, they kind of fell from grace, from Mm -hmm. uh, royalty. So now it just became a mass breeding of these dogs to find the next champion. So it started off, yes, it's true hunting, but then it became, that's, who's the next champion? Let's have these competitions, see which area of Spain produces the best of these right. dogs. The issue is, like I said, it is mass breeding. So the beginning of hunting season, they will have a litter of about 25 galgos. They most likely will dump the males right away because they prefer females because they could actually hunt sooner, about nine months, and they could also breed while they hunt, and they mature faster. Go figure, women mature faster. But it's one of those that uh, the males tend to get dumped the fastest. When they start training, they will have them uh, tied to the back of cars, try to build their endurance up, so they'll have to run at 35 miles per hour for 10 to 15 miles. And if the dogs can't keep up, they will be dragged. Uh, other interesting things is if the if they start doing trials with the dog, if the dog sits down next to him, he's done. If the dog looks back at him during the race, he's done. And there's another term called a dirty galgo, where they want the hunter wants a dog to follow the exact path of the hare. So if he's become experienced and learned to cut the corner to catch the hare. That's considered cheating and will get the dog killed. So it's all these little things that happen that, you know, it's no longer about hunting. It's about entertainment and the betting. And some of the odd things that we've seen, too, is the first trip to Spain, we were at a shelter and we had a hunter pull up and he opened the trunk of his car and out comes the dogs. He literally had them in the trunk of the car, not the back hatch, but the trunk. And we just kind of looks at, did we just see that? But that's one of the things that would happen. It was kind of common is they would close the trunk and it would close on the tail of the dog and break the tail. So that now also would end up getting the dog killed. Mm-hmm. So it's those stupid little things you would see. Uh, and some of the things we would hear about that we weren't sure was true until we were actually in Spain and seeing some of it. You know, the common thing of, yes, they will only feed the dogs bread because they feel a hungry dog is a better hunter. And one of the shelters they were working with, they use a like a pet motel. But unfortunately, several hunters keep the dogs there, too. And that's what you see is bread that's laid out for those dogs. So it's just one of those odd things that you see. It's just like, how do you guys think this is working or not? You know, it's. Any athlete, like for you guys are big in football, you know they don't just feed the guys, you know, here's your bread and mm-hmm. go figure it out. So it's just some of those mentalities that we saw. And we're in a town called Flensalita, 
And in the center of the town, they have a big statue of a Galgo. It's they're so proud because they're all hunters there that they have the statue to show, yeah, these are the champions of open field. And what happens is everyone in the town will separate their bread and put it in a bag outside the trash bin so the hunters can come pick up to feed their dogs. What the dark side is, just outside that town, there's a dumping ground of galgos. And we found six dead galgos there. One recently dropped off. And about a half mile away, there was three galgos in an abandoned wall that were killed. So this is the town that they're so proud to have the statue and everything. But step outside, it's all, you know, the death of these dogs. As dogs are bred for the hunting season and then discarded afterwards, it's estimated that anywhere from 50 to 100,000 dogs are killed every year. Travis mentioned the film Yo Galgo, which follows one hunting season and the aftermath. Despite the tough subject, this is actually a very beautiful film with amazing photography and a really unforgettable portrayal of these gorgeous dogs. It doesn't really show anything too gruesome, but it does describe how the dogs suffer, not only during the racing with all the injuries they sustain, but also afterwards when the hunters are finished with them. They can be shot or dropped into abandoned wells or just tied up and left to starve. The dog rescuers describe how many dogs on the street will have been beaten first, so they are afraid of humans and won't turn to them for help. I asked Travis if there were many people in Spain who were against this use of the galgos for hunting. Oh yeah, that, that's what's been amazing to see is they have been doing a lot more protests and as more people learn about it, the bigger these protests are getting. What's interesting is the first person who transported our dogs from us is was from Madrid and uh, when he was asked to transport the dogs for us, he's like, that never happens in Spain. They wouldn't be killing these dogs. Then as he learned about it, I was like, oh, crap. It's, I'm completely ashamed of this. And yes, I'm totally against them. I'll be happy to transport the dogs. And that tends to be what happened is a lot of people in the major cities were not aware of this because it was happening in the rural areas. Right. Uh, in February, I was in Spain to attend one of the protests right before they were just about to vote on the new animal welfare law. So they had 41 cities within Spain show up, protest, and pretty much about 1,000 to 1,500 people per city were at those protests. It was humongous, and it was phenomenal to see. And for me, it was actually rather emotional to be part of it, but uh, it was great to see that. Unfortunately, the animal welfare law that did get passed excluded the hunting dogs. So and we could talk a little more about that, which is kind of the downfall is these are the dogs that truly need that protection and they were left out again. Yeah, it's uh, it's kind of ties in. Well, certainly here in Ireland, they have greyhounds and it, it, they're considered livestock. So one, one lady told me that she said greyhounds are not considered dogs here. They're considered livestock, like farming right. livestock. So th- again, they're left out of welfare laws. So you have dog welfare laws. They don't have yep. greyhounds. I think what eventually happened was the hunters did not want the hunting dogs on it. Yeah. So they pushed against the law and finally got them removed from it. And unfortunately, now that these it's been passed, they're not planning on going to revisit because mm-hmm. they still consider this as a successful bill. Yeah. 
for all animals. But the working dogs, hunting dogs, bulls, and all that were excluded, so they have no protection now. And that's the big thing is trying to push Spain to get past that. You know, it's the way I kind of attribute to it in a sense is it's kind of like here in the U.S. that for the NRA and gun rights. You know, I'm a gun owner, but I don't follow NRA because they are nuts and they will do anything. They don't think common sense this way. That, you know, you're having so much violence that they're unwilling to do anything about it. And they have so much power on these laws that you can't change it. And that's kind of what we're seeing with the hunters and the hunting dogs, that they have so much power for the politician because there's quite a few politicians and mayors of the cities that are hunters. A lot of the police are hunters. So it's very rare to get a person who's abused the dog prosecuted and charged with anything. That's been very hard to do. So it's been trying to get enough pressure and people within Spain to actually push against that and change that law. When it becomes a business and a way that they're making money for the country, then their welfare now goes to the side. And it's like in Spain, the hunting is a, was it 5.3 billion uh, euros per year. So 85% of the land in Spain is used for hunting. Spain has become the world go-to place to hunt whatever you want. Shoot whatever you want and move on. Yeah, it's hunting with guns, with dogs. You could even rent a galgo to go hunting with. So it's all of these things that have been happening. And they're using that to for the business deals, things like that. Instead of going to the golf course to have your business deal, go hunt. Go kill something. Yeah, that's your meeting. That's your networking. Yep. So, and it's unfortunately with Spain, their economy is not the best. So they see that as a way to kind of keep the economy going. And it's become that issue where it's a big corporation that has the push for the politicians to make them change their mind. Same with the animal welfare law. That's why they got removed because a lot of the hunters said, well, we're going to be voting for the other side then if you don't change it. So politicians wanted to keep their jobs instead of going for what was right. So really trying to persuade enough people to speak against it. And also, yep. I guess you want people around the world to say, hey, Spain, this isn't cool. Right. Yeah, mm-hmm. I don't want people to boycott Spain because there's a lot of phenomenal people in Spain yeah. that are doing a yeah. lot of great work to help them. And doing that, it just hurts them. Yeah. So it's just a matter of saying, hey, speak up and say something that more people know. Because right. you never know who's listening. Yes. And may be able to have a much bigger voice and push this through. So. Yeah. We'll come back to Travis's work with the shelters in Spain and adopt a Galgo, their organization which helps to rehome Galgos. But we spent some time talking about his photography, which is such an important part of his advocacy work. The hunter and the hunted that I mentioned at the outset won the ultimate prize at the American Portrait Masters Awards this year, 2023. Now, in this competition, there are 14 categories of portraits contemporary, child portrait, documentary, abstract, pet, family portrait, so on. So Travis's photo won the pet section, but then it also went on to win the overall grand champion of the whole awards. And that's a very rare accomplishment for the pet portrait to win the overall prize. 
So obviously we had to start by talking about this photo. So let's talk about some of your photographs. Right. So the, fir- the very first photograph I ever saw was The Hunter and the Hunted. And it was on an yeah. Instagram um, where I, can- I forget the name, but people were asked to nominate a photo- photograph that they admired. And I saw that one and I just was blown away. I, I-, I saw um, you won a big award for it recently um, and you thanked Amanda you said thank you for putting up with that taking that photo so tell us how how hard was it to take that photo <laughs> <laughs> yeah it was that photo came across because i was watching a video on lighting and as the photographer was kind of explaining about the spanish general at the time you know he's wearing his helmet and he's kind of sad and defeated and right there it just immediately caught it was like thinking of the galgo in that same sense that he's put his life on for the hunter and, you know, he's defeated that Hunter just forgets about him. And I just happened to look up, like, it'd be nice to have a rabbit mask, you know, to kind of show that. And I happened to look up at a store, a costume store, that just found the perfect rabbit mask. And they had it. I was 10 minutes away from my house. So everything, once again, just fell into place. So I ran up there, grabbed it, and uh, was able to get the photo done. It It took about four different sessions to try one, getting the lighting set up, getting the mask to sit correctly because Gemma Fagalgo was actually wearing the mask the whole time and trying to get the right expression. So we went through four different sessions to try to get things set up right. And I think it was about 300 photos. And I think about 298 is when Gemma finally said, all right, I'm done. I'm going to be pooping in your shoes when we're done. And it's like perfect expression. Changed it, got him, and done. It's like okay, that's it. And uh, yeah, I was very happy with it. And yeah, with the last award that I got for it for the portrait masters, that was a very big surprise for me. Uh, I just won for uh, animal photographer to actually get win top is very rare, so I was extremely happy for it. But uh, yeah, the whole story behind the image is it's a question to the Galgaleros. So as they say, they are the true lovers of the Galgos. They are the ones that support them and love them, but as the things have happened is they've actually helped pass laws to allow them to shoot Galgos, stray dogs, so they'll cut the microchip out, release them, and then shoot them. And there's been cases that they're protecting the hair now because there's so there's a disease going through that's been wiping out the hair. So because of all the dogs they've released and abandoned, they're trying to protect the rabbits so the dogs can't fend for themselves. So the question I pose to the hunters on that image is, who do you prize more, the galgo or the hare? So and it's it's either way, it's there's so many stories that tie in with it is the fact that the galgo and the hare are unwilling participants in this whole game and their fate relies on each other so it's so much uh, intertwined that way and that's you know it's a very deep story with it but uh it's just one of those questions i had i wanted to put out there i can tell you as somebody who kind of knew nothing about this and just first thought it was a nice photo and then 
went away and I found myself thinking and thinking about it. And I went and I looked it up again and I was like, what is going on there? And so it's, it, it just, it stays with you and it deserves, absolutely deserves to win awards because it was, it's remarkable as so many of your photos are. They really Thank are. You. <laughs> yeah. I'm a huge fan. And then of course I looked you up and can I ask why are we called stink eye photography? <laughs> Where did that come from? <laughs> when I was first, Studying up photography, one of the groups that actually showed me the some of the power of photography was a group called Heard Speak. So they're a group of professional photographers that donate their time to animal shelters to take adoption photos. And after one of them came to our rescue and took photos of our dogs, I saw how great the photos were. I said, okay, I really need to figure this out and be able to take better photos. And my goal to myself was I want to be able to be a member of this group within a year so one of the things I had to do is actually have a website. So I was thinking it's, well, all the dogs tend to give me stink eye when I get photos. So I think that's perfect. I'll just go with stink eye photography. I always tend to go for darker side of comedy and things like that. So, And I love that too on your Instagram when you post, you know, photos and then you have a little caption. And I right. think my favorite one is the guy um the dog saying i can't hear you over my awesome beard <laughs> yeah <laughs> gorgeous. and then there's the one that that's always having mug shots and he is giving this yep. guy <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah that's Yima, one of our one of ours she's always has fun expressions and despite the fact that your little girlfriend gave me the stink eye in our class yesterday trina's not my girlfriend right and i doubt that she gave you the stink eye that's just the way her face looks you know that's just her face how do you find, because um, I mean, all your photos, they're beautiful. The dogs look very regal and they look like they're quite happy to be sitting there and posing. Right. That's not how dogs are. <laughs> how does how, how long? And you did say 300 shots for the other one. Um, right. Is that a kind of an average or do you get? I've gotten much better at that. Okay. So a lot of it is, you know, one of the big things I've learned when we adopted Lena was learning to read body language. So and that's probably one of the biggest keys to understand the dogs, communicate, and help them become more comfortable. So when the dog comes, like for all my dogs now, is when I put a leash on them to bring them to the garage, that's where my studio is at, they're literally now dragging me to the garage. So I open the door and they're popping up on the platform ready to go because they want the treats so they understand what it is and i try to minimize the time in there as much as possible so it's not they're getting bored or tired and try to control that and even with new dogs i will give them an hour just to sniff around check things out if i still see them um, they're uncomfortable i will bring them back outside bring them to the backyard then i'm sniff around outside and bring them back in Second time, it's a little more comfortable. They've been there. They're kind of a little more settled. And it's giving them the time to relax. And it's uh, just understanding their body language. So I may get a couple shots, and then let them relax, comfortable. Uh, there's one dog that I think I only got two photos of. Uh, finally got, they settled down. I took the first photo. Then he posed like, what was that? Took the second photo. Then he jumped off, went behind the backdrop and wouldn't come out it's okay he's done i got the two photos were perfect so i'm happy with that we'll leave it as that so well back in 2017 i did a 
you know, project with a bunch of human models. So I wanted to show what the Galgo's life was for them in, when they're uh, royalty. So I had five models come in, and that's the first thing I told the models is, I don't care how long it took you to get ready, to get dressed, all your makeup and hair on, if the dog's not comfortable, it's not happening. It's over, yeah. So it's the dog is the one that controls this whole shoot. So we only had one model that we couldn't get a shoot done because the dog was just too nervous in that area. So, but we were able to get a total of 10 different uh, setups and sessions done with uh, different dogs and everything. So that was a fun shoot. And uh, once again, it's just, you know, the dogs, as I explained to everyone, they're the priority. If they're uncomfortable, it's done. And I usually may have another person kind of keeping an eye on the dog for me also. So if yeah. I have too many things going on, I want yeah. someone to kind of make sure that we're seeing everything with the dog. And if they're showing signs of stress or anything, you know, let me know and we'll yeah. give them the break or end it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I wanted to talk as well about man saying goodbye to dog. Cause that, that photograph always makes me cry when I look at it in a kind yeah. of happy way, but crying as well. <laughs> um, <laughs> and that's, yeah, that image was, uh, Obviously, very personal to me. It's the actual title for it is called "Saying Goodbye," okay. and it's it allowed me to explain kind of what I went through adopting Lena, and a way for me to thank Lena for everything she's given me, and for literally changing my life—not only saving it, but literally changing it. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to kind of showcase that and show her, you know, what she's meant to me. And the photo works in two ways. One of saying goodbye, of the dog leaving. But as I explained it, the story behind it is when I find myself in uh, dark places again, I could feel her on my shoulder, you know, helping me. And that's the image too, is her coming back to comfort me. So that's how the image works in both ways. So it allowed me to kind of open up more about my mental health and depression and, you know, explaining everything that Nina has done for me. What continues to blow me away on it is how many people have connected with that image. And, you know, it's I've had multiple people out of the blue reach out to me and tell me, you know, how much it meant to them and their story with their dogs and how their dogs saved them and helped them with that. And it's it when that first when I first posted that image uh, the image completely got away on me because I didn't expect the response it got that it's now been shared over 3 million times on Facebook alone and when I first went out I think 2 hours later I looked back and it's been shared over 100,000 times already and all these comments people was like okay what's going on here then I was reading all the comments I had to stop because it was getting it was such an emotional roller coaster you know people uh, sharing the stories of their dogs, you know, happy ones and bad ones too. And it's just, so it's like, okay, I have to stop reading this. Yeah, <laughs> it, yeah, was, yeah. it was great, but it was still uh, very emotional. So, yeah. but I'm very happy that it's been able to connect with so many people and help either, you know, for the mental health of showing what these dogs can do mm -hmm. and hopefully bring back a lot of great memories of people's pets that they've had and share that stuff with them. And at the time of recording, 
That photograph has just won first prize in the domestic animals category of the ReFocus Awards, where it won both the judges' prize and the people's vote, earning Travis the title of Photographer of the Year in this category. So I was particularly glad I'd thought to ask him about this aspect of his work. So yeah, I kind of touched on that you're now being recognised as an extremely talented photographer, which you are. Um, but there's another another uh, kind of photographer, photojournalist, We Animals Media. And she talks right. about, um, you know, she talks about winning awards and how wonderful that is, not for winning the award, but because it brings publicity. So how do you feel? You think it's important? Does it bring more publicity well, or? That's actually why I got into doing print competitions. Right. Because... I wanted a way, once again, my goal has always been to get other photographers to try to take photos of the dogs to share their story. Because the way I see it is it's kind of like a lost dog. When a dog gets lost, you want to get flyers out everywhere as you can. The more eyes searching for it, the better chance you'll have finding that dog. So my thought was if I get more photographers to take photos of the Galgos, all their followers are animal lovers. So that story spreads out so much quicker. So that's always been my goal. So I started doing print competition, one, to try to become a better photographer, but also to get the prints in front of people, other photographers, for them to see them and ask questions. And, you know, a lot of my photos are not the typical, oh, look at this cute little dog in this pretty place and this happy little setup. There's a much deeper story behind it, which kind of catches people a little bit off guard. And it kind of reminds me of uh, one post I did on a uh, dog photography group. It was a very scared dog. And the comment, one of the first comments I got from it was, can you make anything prettier? Can you make a prettier picture? Mm -hmm. Then what was amazing to see is everyone else jumping and said, it's that's not what it's about that's not the point this yeah. is the story of the dog it's not about hey look how pretty it is it's this is the story behind the dog and the other side of pet industry and these animals that there is a dark side to it and that what needs to be told also so and that's kind of what told me okay i'm on the right path of doing it this way yeah so, yes i don't want to show very injured animals I will show dogs that are fearful and in those poses, but tie the story to it of what it is and why they're this way, the story behind it, and do it in a respectful way. Yes. So, and that's the main thing. Yeah. So, so I will show those sides of it. But uh, now that I'm actually surprisingly doing talks, which still off to me because I always hate talking in front of people, but. Once again, Lena's showed me, give me the confidence and talking about a subject I'm very passionate about makes it much easier. But within those talks, I show a lot more of the graphic photos. Okay. This is the side of the shelter, what's in there, what we've seen. So this is the true what's happening with them. So, and it's, I've gotten a lot of great feedback from it. So I did a talk recently for Animal Image Makers, which is all... Mm -hmm animal photographers so and i got great feedback from it and i'll be doing another talk in january for uh professional photographers of america for their main conference in january 
Mm-hmm. So, which to me is still kind of surprising. I never expected to get this far with photography. So it's just kind of, I'm just kind of rolling along with it. It's like, see where it takes me. But um, it's great that I'm actually able to use this much more as that platform to raise awareness and teach everyone about these dogs. Yeah. It's one thing that kind of struck me and you just sort of said it there is that you are finding a way to make people look at something they don't want to look at. You know, they don't want to see it. None of us want to see that kind of thing. But through your photographs, you're making us look at it or you're helping us to look at it. I do hear people who kind of work with animals and they say the cause gives them courage that they would not, if they were speaking for themselves, they would never have that kind of confidence. But because they're speaking on behalf of their cause, the dogs, right. they just have to overcome shyness or whatever to do it. Yeah, it's that passion that helps bring that out. You're so passionate about it. It's easy, much so much easier to talk about it. And when people see that passion, it's much easier for people to join you and say, hey, yes, I really want to help you with this. And that's been the amazing side of it, too. I see that with a lot of different people doing these things that when you feel that passion, you want to help them also with that. Yeah, I'm I'm thinking of that woman who saved Lena. Like she doesn't realize how many lives She's touched through Lena exactly. and through you and steps and then you having an impact. There's there's lives that you'll change that you'll never know about. Yeah, and that's I always think about the ripple effect. Mm-hmm. You know, you make that little change, you never know where it's going and if it's gonna come back to you or not, or so forth. But one of the most recent things that blew me away is that image, the hunter and the hunted, with the rabbit mask. I was tagged on a post about a gentleman in Barcelona that actually got that tattooed on him for his of his Galgo. So, and that was another one that just kind of blew me away. It's just like, one, it's a Spaniard with that tattoo, which is phenomenal, but someone has that on, on their arm now. So that is amazing. That's the great thing. Your, your photographs have a story, but even if you didn't know the story or anything, they're just a beautiful piece of art. And I'm glad, actually, we should talk about that. You sell t-shirts and bags and I won't, I'm not going to go as far as getting a right. tattoo, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll that's... get the t-shirt. So you, you talk to tell us a bit about that. You've got merchandise with some of your beautiful images on it. Yeah, from my website, I've had quite a few people ask me, okay, I love this print, you know, how can I order it? And and that's what made me realize, too, is that I had followers from all over the world. So it's just, okay, I want to be able to offer them these prints, but finding a way to be able to ship all over the world and not charge them high shipping costs. So I did find a site, uh, Find Out America or Pixels.com. They're the same site, just different names, but... Uh, you're able to order basic print, frame prints, canvases, acrylics, uh, T-shirts, mugs, phone cases of all these prints. And at first I was thinking, I was like, I really don't want a yoga mat in my image. <laughs> but then I thought again, it's like, well, if someone's willing to pay for it and buy it, fine, go ahead. And that helps fund some of these things I'm doing for these dogs. And, you know, I will donate portions of that to the rescues for that. So it it helps in that way and also gets more people see that image in a home. They may question yeah. and ask about it. And that's another way of getting that conversation going. Yeah. Do you have a favorite 
yourself or do you go through phases I I mean I go through phases the hunter and the hunted will always be my favorite because right. it was the first but then I go through phases of like oh that's my favorite that's my favorite um and at the moment I like your self-portrait with the three dogs yeah the my current one with the three dogs I was actually off of a uh, another image from a digital artist who was doing different paintings right. with animals around and I saw I was like Okay, I want to try that. See if I can actually do that in a photo. And I unfortunately cannot remember the artist's name, but phenomenal artist. And he's talking about Turkish digital artist Akot Edogdu. So I did is like that is very fitting. That ties me perfectly. That I kind of with my depression, I tend to hide a lot of my stuff behind the galgos. Yeah. So that ties in perfectly. Of you know, I use the galgos to kind of shield myself. And still talk about it, but I'm using the Galgos as a way to do that. Yeah. So I thought that was very fitting for that. There's been times when I've kind of looked back at my photos, and I know I'm dealing with depression at the time, but I look back at the photos and I realize that, okay, through these photos, I'm actually calling out for help. I'm using the dogs for that. And it's, there's one, it's been renamed a couple of times. Now it's the uh, Galgos Blue Dream. And it's a galgo on a cliff, kind of with the sun coming down. This kind of came about mm. from a song from a band called Perfect Circle. Okay. Gravity. So the line goes, catch me, heal me, raise me towards the sun. I'm choosing to live. And with that, that was, for me, at that point, was when I finally decided I'm going to fight for my life. I'm not going to let depression win. I'm going to fight for this now. And that's kind of, I'm using the Galgo to tell their story, but also mine as I'm the Galgo. So it's kind of, once again, that's kind of where that, the three dog with me hiding behind it, that mm-hmm. kind of fitted perfectly because I do tend to use the Galgos as myself yeah. in a way. So that's interesting. I'll be looking at other pictures now going, yeah. hmm, what's, what's going on there? <laughs> but um, even we have uh, one for one of our other dogs, Radar. Uh, he's 14 years old now. He's got nice arrows that just pop straight up. <laughs> and there's one that I, I love using different quotes. And sometimes there's quotes I put out there for myself. Yeah. Because I'm going through images again. It reminds me of certain things to keep focused and. His the quote I put on there because he's kind of like a cowardly lion. So he loves people, but he's always very scared of things. But the quote I put with him is courage is not it doesn't always roar. Sometimes it's that quiet voice at the end of the day saying, I will try again tomorrow. So it's just that reminder just to say, you don't have to jump at it, just keep working at it. Keep working at it. Travis and I moved on to talking about their organization, AdoptAGalgo.com, where they rescue, foster, and rehome dogs from Spain. They've made a short film called Unbreaking the Galgos, and it showcases their work alongside some wonderful dog behavior experts from A Sound Beginning, 
as they visit the Benjamin Maynard Foundation in Spain. And it's just great to watch all these enthusiastic people united in the common aim of rehabilitating these damaged but very loving dogs. Hola, my name is Julie Dorcio Skirka and I am the founder of the Sound Beginning Program. And I have the honor of bringing our whole team here to the shelter in Spain. I'm going to try to pronounce it correctly. Fundacion Benjamin Maynard. As close as I can get. We are here because Amanda and Travis from Love, Hopefully, Galgo Adoption um, started introducing us to the problems um, that the Galgos are experiencing here and thought that our program would be of help to them and their shelter to be able to help the dogs uh, place and just to have a better transition period because many of the Galgos are very fearful of people. And uh, when we got here, we didn't know exactly what we were going to expect. And after this week of being here with these incredible people, we have nothing but the, the most utmost respect for these people who are, work. It's, it seems like they work endless hours and they have so much love in their hearts and so endless, endless amounts of work and effort to educate the public. But the compassion and the love that they share for these animals to try to save them beyond what I ever thought. On the website for Adopt a Galgo, Travis has written the quote, I always knew I would end up in a padded room one day. I just never expected it to be made out of dog beds. When you stay in a shelter that's also housing five to 600 dogs at any given time, I wondered if you just had to forget about getting any sleep. Yeah, that's, they have a guest house that's tied onto the vet clinic. So pretty much off to the, trying to think of that, probably the east side of the building is where all the kennels are at. So it's, it, depending on where you're sleeping, if you're on the east side of the building, it gets very loud. Yeah. If you're a little boy center, it's not as bad, but I usually would have spring earplugs and yeah. sleep. So, <laughs> but yeah, the first year me and my wife went there, it, I think I slept the best I ever slept because it became that white noise. Yeah. Lovely, so, just background. Do you guys try and go regularly? And yeah, we. I'm actually going back again in November for another a week and a half. We used to try to go uh, at least twice a year, but with airline costs, it started getting too expensive. And plus, changing jobs, it's I don't have as much vacation time now. Right. So I'm finally building that back up. So it's trying to find some of those free times to be able to do that. Mm-hmm. But I'll make certain trips. Like we have transport dogs, I'll do a quick flight out there and fly back the next day. So we'll do that maybe two or three times for the year. And, and we'll have other people do the same thing. So you um, try and have homes ready for them and then you bring back a bunch of dogs or do you bring them and have somewhere to keep them in America? Or Yeah, we have foster homes. Regardless if the dog is adopted or not, the dog will be fostered for two weeks just to get them accustomed to home life. Uh, one, so we could verify personalities. Uh, the shelter we work with at Spain, uh, Benjamin Maynard Foundation, they do a phenomenal job on personalities. But every once in a while, there's a little difference of things. So we just want to make sure we know what those are, any fears the dog has, that we could get a handle on it, see what it is. And that way, we have better opportunity to help the, adopt a family get through those things. Yeah. So, and we also work with uh, Sal McGinney, who was made that uh, Breaking the Galgo, Unbreaking. So 
there are behavioralists. So if there are issues, we work with them to kind of help with that family to kind of get things working for them. Our, all the dogs we've adopted, I think it's about 240. I think we only had maybe three to four returns. That's that's a re- really good success rate because I know that's a problem when people adopt dogs and then are not ready for what happens after that. Right, right. Yeah. And we try to be very honest with, with the adoptive family. Yeah. You know, it could be, yes, I've had my coffee cake stolen off the top of the refrigerator. It's, you know, things like that. It's, you know, we've emptied our garbage out a couple of times. It's, <laughs> you know, you have to have a sense of humor with it. They don't know these things. They yeah. lived on the streets. So they're trying to figure things out. You have to give them that time and space. So it's the same as you go to a new job. You got to figure things out. Yes, you can communicate, but these dogs really can't. Yes. So you got to give them that time and space. So. And they're actually really, you're saying they're really gentle. Um, I think people think if you get a hunting dog or something that you have to be taking them out and running them for five hours every day. And greyhounds, I know, love to sleep. Do the gal go oh, yeah. to... <laughs> Yeah, pretty much like today I worked from home and our floor is pretty much passed out for pretty much most of the day. So we also had some tree service done today. So they're kind of some of those noises. But yeah, pretty much 16 hours a day they're sleeping. We'll let them outside. Even on a hot day today, like today, they're laying out in the sun, enjoying the, you know, sunbathing. Sunbathing. We'll let them run in the backyard for a little bit, but maybe 10 minutes and the back end it all cold again. You know, that's what I always tell my adopters is we want photos of the dog in the home being happy. Continue that because we want to share that with the rescuers in Spain. Because after they send the dog off, they never see the dog again. We want them to see it. So they're, what they're doing matters so much that we want that so it keeps them motivated and fueled to keep going and that's the biggest thing well we covered a lot in this episode and i hope you'll feel inspired to go and check out the photographs at stinkeyephotography.com you won't forget the name anyway and follow travis on instagram you could learn more about the galgos by visiting adoptagalgo.com or by watching yo galgo which is free to watch online Search for the trailer on YouTube and follow the link. If you're ever thinking about adopting a dog or adding to your dog family, I hope a galgo might cross your mind. I really enjoyed talking to Travis, but eventually our own animals began demanding their rightful attention. Thank you so much for talking to me. And it, oh, um, thank you for inviting me. Very nice meeting you. And, yeah, <laughs> you, know, you too. I was listening to a couple of your podcasts already, so definitely oh, like them. This is yeah. the fun part. Now I have to go and do the work. Awesome. Probably know I don't know if you get hair behind me. Is that barking? That's all my dogs singing. Yeah. As long as they don't wake up my cats or just, yeah. <laughs> just join in. Yeah. So. Oh, that's wonderful. My thanks to Travis and Amanda and all the Galgo rescuers in Spain. And thank you for listening. That's all for now. See you next time.